Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's going on, everyone? This is Go Long with Dunn and Monus at GoLong, GoLongTD.com. Um, it's 6.44 a.m., so I was going to say we're fueled by Fatty Beer Company, but we're not fueled by Fatty Beer this early. We can promise you that. I am on coffee number three, going on coffee number four very soon. But, yes, Fatty, get on in there. They've got their their Advent calendars, which, you know, make sure you still pick up an Advent calendar. It's a beer a day. We're in the middle of December. So it kind of makes it more fun, right? Then you just have two beers every day or maybe more than that. So, yes, Nick Fatty, Krista Cesare, our good buddies there, the hooky up. Um, some great Christmas beers rolling from several different breweries across the state, across the country. So uh, Orchard Park, Hamburg, Ellicottville, Kenmore, Rochester, Columbus, they're all over the place. Jim, we're, we're working this remote. Uh, you've been all over the place doing XFL stuff. I'm, I'm glad you're in one piece. Yeah, it's always good to get back. Of course, I had to beat the snow coming back. I was like, got to make sure I get in today or else this Bills-Dolphins game is going to be uh, – we'll get into it with the weather. That should be it should be a fun watch. It's your style, right? You like the – this the is elements. what this is my the nightmare. Elements. The elements. Right, the weather that's coming for a playoff game, this would be my nightmare. I told Isaiah McKenzie this week that, uh, I mean, you guys would be old pals. He'd, he'd probably get like a, a seven year, you know, $100 million contract with, with your shared beliefs on playing in the elements. He doesn't like it either. <laughs> he doesn't like it at all. Which that's funny because everybody just thinks that it's like, I don't know how many players are actually from <laughs> the cold weather on Buffalo. I mean, yeah, it's, um, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's weird. I guess we've never really taken that that zoom out look at. All right, they're getting this new stadium. It's getting paid for in a a, a pretty creative way that I think should be a, a conversation for another day. The the Seneca Nation really got a raw deal here from old Kathy Hochul, in my opinion, and it's one of the more underreported storylines when it comes to all things yeah. Buffalo Bills. And I'm sure that would be underreported. Yeah, it's um, you know, take. I am a, a, a Salamaca native, technically. So uh, not, I'm not native, but I'm from Salamaca, if that makes any sense. Uh, but no, no, a lot of people 
in, in the Senate, and they, they're not they're not happy with how that went down. Well, you got. But, I like to try to keep. I like to try to keep that nation happy. I mean, I enjoy going to their casino. I enjoy getting them money. So I. A lot of good people. A lot of good. people. I mean, their accounts are frozen. <laughs> their accounts were frozen. They were basically blackmailed to to pay that money. So, anyways, um, yeah. However, this thing's going to get paid for. It's open air, but should it have just been a dome? I mean, you don't see new stadiums built in cold weather cities often that aren't enclosed, right? It is. I feel like I'm in the minority. Yeah. Every time we talk about it, I do feel like I guess I'm in the minority. My reasoning is different. It's not fan. It's not, it's, this is straight front office coaching. (laughs) But if I'm putting, if my job is on the line, and I put together this team for years and years. I've waited and waited to get the quarterback and to put this roster together. We're getting healthy for the playoffs. Okay, here comes a snowstorm. Throw it out the window. Nobody can catch. Nobody can throw. Who knows what's going to happen? It's all about the bounce of the ball and who can, you know, we have to shovel to see the yard, you know, to see the every five yards so we can keep the stats. And that's my – that's where I'm coming from with that. If I would, if that's how we would lose, if I was working for the Bills and we lost because of the weather, or not, I shouldn't say because I wouldn't use it as an excuse, but it would affect obviously anything you do. I mean, well, it could obviously take away the the skill set of Josh Allen. But anyway, that's where I'm coming from on it, Tyler. That's a very selfish. No, it's reasoning. a great point. I mean. Take it from Isaiah. He he was br- breaking it down on on the show this week. Um, it's in the podcast feed, Apple, Spotify, go along, td.com if, if anybody missed it. But uh, he was really detailing exactly what you just did, what it's like to play in this this slop, this wintry mix. And I thought Tony Romo made a great point on the broadcast during the Jets game where it, I, this is why he's one of the best. He said, look, if you're watching this game at home, the TV copy is not doing this justice it is, and I'm sitting there in Boston, New York, Boston Colden area, oh, yeah. you know, about 15 minutes from the stadium. I'm looking outside. I'm like, man, Tony Romo is right. <laughs> it is wet and rainy and snowy and shitty. And I don't want to, I don't want to go outside with Edmund, our dog, let alone play a football game in this. And then, and then Isaiah's breaking it down. Like, yeah, every, you've got gloves on. And every time your hands would hit the turf, they get wet. Like I say, well, why don't you take the gloves off? He goes, yeah, good luck with that. Uh, and <laughs> said, yeah, maybe, maybe uh, get a. Do you run the ball in this stuff? And he said, we can't really run really run that well when it's nice out. So the Bills are in a little bit of a pickle offensively because they they've got this offense that wants to throw and play fast, and it, it probably would be best in a dome. So I, I get the argument through and through. At the same I time, I you know I'm an old soul. I, I'm an old, like, give me the game Tyler, in the elements, in the mud, in the snow, in the rain, like, because that's going to test your mental fortitude no as well. And that matters that, and, in the sport. And there is something that it is a fan experience. And if that's what people, if, if everybody's good with it, they're going to keep tailgating, enjoying it, come to the game, which they don't, you know, Orchard Park's going to fill up no matter what. Yeah. So Buffalo, I get it. Like Buffalo Bills football, it 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 just cannot be yeah. played in a dome. I can't I get past get it. that. I, I can't. I get it. I, it's that's the hard part for me. That's all. It's just like, yeah, it's just. 
It wouldn't be the same. Um, it, it really wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> but then it's like that a storm hits and you have to go play in Detroit, Michigan. Like that's, that is kind of insane. Like, and, and oh, by the way, thank God you've got neighbors in, in Orchard Park shoveling your players out because even though you had your, you know, your team cameras and, you know, all set and the, you, you put out all these videos and you let everybody know on how you made it happen. There, there really wasn't much of a plan, right? None. When you, Maybe you a little bit more of a plan. Would I mean, that's kind of insane that, that you were lucky to even get to the airport to fly out. Like, plan for this days in advance. Ugh. How serious, you know, I was out of town this week. How serious was there any talk of this game getting moved from Saturday no. night? But no guy. Okay. So it wasn't that serious. I mean, it was extreme for that Lions game. I'll, Lions no, game. I, and they played in Detroit. The, the I Browns agree with game. that. That, that um, they had to, they had no choice. I didn't know if this to. one, just because it was like a night game and it was coming. The yeah. I mean, it's it. going to be around a foot, I think. Um, which we just, that's like, that's nothing. It, exactly. It really isn't. I mean, not, not, not when you survive 80 oh. inches. It's, it's funny living here. I learned real quick that, yeah, the snowstorms don't really, it's not that big of a deal to the people that have lived here. That's how it was when I moved to Charleston, South Carolina. Every summer there'd be a hurricane, you know, okay, possible hurricane. They have to evacuate. Nobody would leave. <laughs> and I'm looking around, like, getting ready to leave. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, my first year I'm terrified. I'm like, all right, I'm, I was going, I remember I was scouting. I went to Knoxville, Tennessee. I was like, I'm going to Knoxville, and I'll just go scout Tennessee this weekend. I'm getting far away from the coast. <laughs> and then after that, nothing happened, no damage. And and then they're like, yeah, you're the only one that left, you know, the people I was hanging out with at the time. And they're like, yeah, nobody leaves. It's okay. I was like, it's a hurricane. It's a snowstorm. Like, why does nobody care about this? Okay. It was, you know, what made it tough this time around. I can't even remember if we talked about it much, but the – the the snow plowing i mean getting the snow blower out there if you didn't like stay ahead of it if you didn't you know get get rid of the snow in your driveway like as it was happening and if you let it sit just for a few hours i had this problem everybody did everywhere in western new york there's probably people listening to this podcast and went through the same thing your your snow blower would just clog up so it would just all the snow would pack after pushing it for 10 12 feet and then you'd have to like literally well don't do this at home kids but Turn it off and, and get, get in, in there with your hands and dig, dig out, out the snow. Yeah. I mean, I was taking the, the old trick with the, uh, the blow dryer, like my wife's blow dryer to, to try to melt it just so you could do that. And then, and then those are the moments where you're, you're doing this and you're wondering why we live here. Like this is not normal. We should not be doing, <laughs> um, and that's where our fathers would all tell us, well, it puts, it, it puts hair on your chest, right? It puts uh, yeah. character. I'll stay out. I think my my opinion's been known on where we live, but I will say I, I feel thankful for the HOA where I live for times nice. like those. When I hear that story that you just said, only because Tyler, I was traveling, so yeah. I come back from I came back from the XFL draft from Vegas. If I didn't have the HOA, like. You know, I don't I know what people HOA. did. traveled. I'd love to hear yeah, from. So them. I was fortunate just for my situation, but it was. Uh, I know you had to get out there. You had to. I, they were probably Ella, Sunny, everybody watching you. 
<laughs> they loved it. Like That's we, what I'm saying, right? We brought the kids out, but they could we couldn't even really like play in the snow because it was too deep for the kids. We we played in the driveway of what I was able to plow in the snow during the storm with the kids. So, <laughs> all right, people don't want to hear us talk about snow all day. Uh, Bills, Dolphins, Saturday night, huge game. Uh, I like it. For both teams, I want to get I into both say angles. That, Tyler, here. I agree with you. I think it's just as big for Miami. You know, let's uh, let's start with Buffalo. But I did talk with with Kurt Warner about where Tua Tungaviola is at. Yeah, and he did not mince words. He really believes this is a critical, critical juncture uh, for his career. But first thing, Buffalo, what does this game mean for the Bills? You know how I feel. You know, it's no such thing as a have to win game right now for Buffalo. They're fighting. They want to hold on to that seat, obviously. So we know what they're fighting for. So every game's the same. They want home field. So we know the importance of it. It's it, What's nice for Buffalo is, yeah, it's the division, but they can almost get the division out. This is their division. Like, just take care of your division. You're trying to get that one seed. And this is why you're in it. So this is to me take care of business. I I don't th- I think they're the better team here. I don't think Miami's defense can slow them down. I just don't. And 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 the Bills. We'll talk about Miami's offense coming around because I know we're, we're going to talk about Tua. But the Bills' offense to me is just fine. I know they're bringing back Beasley. I'm fine with that too. It's the right time of year to bring back a guy that if your quarterback's comfortable and that player can help you at this time, especially your quarterback, bring him on. If that helps Josh take it to that next step, and especially for if we're talking about for we know he and Diggs are on I mean it's it's unstoppable right now. So how else can you take some pressure off of those two? And if Beasley helps, gotta try. It does reek of desperation though, yeah. correct? No, I okay, I can see where you could go that route with des I, I can't go desperation though when their rankings are so good. If It'd be different if their offense wasn't good. They're trying to get – they're almost trying to get their offense to be untouchable. I mean, that's really what know, they're Jim, doing. Their offense didn't look good last week against the Jets. That, it, it, there's something so been there's, off. So there's not look good against a really good defense in bad weather. Okay, fair enough. I I tend to say I thought they did a pretty good job because I respect that Jets defense – so I'm not looking for an easy game from the Bills offense. I wasn't I didn't think it would go that way. You, you have to earn your points against the Jets. That's a real, real defense. And I, I thought that was to me, I'll take the win and get out. I, I'm still in that mentality for Buffalo. I'm just I don't have the I don't see the big picture concern with this offense. As long as that quarterback is healthy, they should be just fine on offense. James That's my Cook, take, Tyler. four I, carries it, for six yards. Devin Singletary, eight carries for 39 yards. Um, they yep. couldn't really run the ball. They didn't even gain 300 total yards. Um, you had the Dawson Knox crazy touchdown, Josh. I, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. No, and I, I'm with I, you on I, this. Yeah. I do think – I agree. The Jets defense, I mean, Quinnen Williams is probably he, one of the best players we don't talk about nearly enough. You're Yeah. Dominant. Dominant player. Um, Sauce Gardner the Bills, is going to be playing corner for for years. You don't think the Bills' defense raised their game, seeing the way the Jets' defense was playing? The Bills' defense they they stepped up too. That was about as physical as I've seen a Bills' defense 
I, I give Mike White, I mean, I know that's we don't want to talk about that game, but he earned stripes too. I mean, to to keep coming back and fighting. The Bills defense was nasty. I think that if they had to play Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow, even a healthy Lamar Jackson, like Justin Herbert, if they had to play these quarterbacks, these offenses, like right now with a season on the line, I'd be concerned because if it wasn't a shootout, I don't know if the Bills would win that game right now. But if push comes to shove, I totally agree with you. I think you just you 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 collect your you collect your wins. This point last season, they were seven and six. They were getting blown out by Tampa. You know, they 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 ended up losing that game. It was a team in kind of disarray. You had the wind game. You had the Colts blowout. You had the loss to Jacksonville, and they they they. Flip, they literally flipped the switch. Their offense turned it on fast to the point where it took one of the epic all-time meltdowns in the playoffs. And, you know, the players were championship caliber. The coaches were not championship caliber. And that's why the Buffalo Bills are not your 2021 Super Bowl champs. Um, so they, they reached a point where they were peaking at the right time. So, yeah, I, I think that the defense – is in a much better place than they were last year at this point. And if you can turn, if you can flip that switch at offense, that's a, it's a huge if um, that this could still be the juggernaut you needed to be at the, at the right time. So the 10 and three, let me ask you, not time to let play. me ask you this though. Cause I do agree with you. Like, okay, we can, let's the, the bills offense might not look exactly how they want it to look or how we think it should be looking right now. Fair enough. So, you get to the playoffs, you have to beat the Chiefs, the Bengals, Lamar, you know, pr- that we'll go with the quarterbacks, right? Oh, and you brought up Herbert as well. Those teams, none of those teams, their defenses aren't scaring anybody right now, especially with the Bengals, with Hendrickson, um, his injury, because he's a big part of that defense. I don't, I don't really see any of those defenses stopping Buffalo. Like those defenses struggle stopping everybody right now. So it would be different now. The Jets, they have what's funny, the Jets, if Zach Wilson was who the Jets thought he was gonna be, they'd be they'd be in any they'd be in the best position of any team going right now because of that defense. I'll say this though, I don't think that the Bills are talking about their own team in the terms we are. I think that the Bills are legitimately worried. You know, I had a conversation with, with somebody, not not in the building, but somebody who very familiar with people in the building. And he, he made it pretty clear. Like they are a little, they're concerned like they're they concerned. about the offense and the fact that they don't really have a dependable receiver outside of Stefan Diggs. And that, yeah, Diggs Fair. is Diggs, but that outside of him, Gabe Davis just has not taken the step that the team thought he would take. I mean, that's pretty obvious to all of us with two eyeballs, but um, they're disappointed with him. Obviously, they're not happy with Isaiah McKenzie, and we could talk about Isaiah for a long time. I I tend to think Isaiah is, is right in a lot of ways. He is getting open, and after he made that comment on our show, I went back and watched that game, and he, he's right. I mean, there are a lot of plays. He makes a cut. He's open, and, and Josh just doesn't see him or doesn't trust him, and he did have the two drops. One of the drops he was held on, and it led to a first down, uh, but that's probably th- – those two players – and then you sprinkle in some Dawson Knox drops. That's why Josh Allen goes to Brandon Bean and 
lobbies for Cole Beasley and John Brown and wants those guys back. And Cole Beasley's been playing some basketball. He's been staying in shape. I, I think he's right. You know, basketball shape does uh it's different than football shape. I, I laughed when uh when he said back in high school how you know they play football in the fall and then whenever they switch to basketball, it was like you're huffing and puffing. It's just different. So different. I, I I think he'll be ready to play and maybe he's even good. Um so why not? Agreed. Why not? It's just I don't know if that's the problem. I I think that Josh Allen is still working through some stuff. The running game is still working through some stuff. The offensive line has kind of gone unaddressed. Sure. I don't see Cole Beasley, John Brown serving as magic wands for this offense. And and we're talking about this, and I'm as we're talking, I was just making sure, but they're 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 like they're second, they're second in like yards per play. They're mm-hmm. third and first, you know, third down offense. They're you see what I'm saying? They're right yeah. where you want yeah. to be. If there was one thing I noticed when I study certain stats, their yards per attempt on offense are ranked 11th. That's probably low for that offense. They would probably, if there was a number they might want to see increase a little bit on ranking wise, maybe that because they, you know, they want to take their chances down the field, but that's still 11th is still good. Like they're not anything. I don't see anything that I would be like, wow, we have to figure this out. Now, are they protecting Josh Allen pretty well? I mean, I know we could talk about that a little. I mean, we brought, I remember we were nitpicking one point. You said, what would you nitpick on their offense? I said the right side of the offensive line. That was the best thing I could come up with because I did see some concerns with pass blocking with those guys. That's every team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Promise you, if we really did a deep dive on every offensive line or every, right? I mean, what's the two things we always talk about that? The offensive line didn't block well, and we got to put more pressure on the quarterback. That's that's 101, Monday morning 101, how do you solve the loss, right? We got to protect, you know, we got to get after the quarterback. They do that. I think they do both just fine. I don't know. I just don't see this concern. I feel like they are just, they have to stay healthy, fine-tune everything, get ready. Your season's coming. The playoffs are coming. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the defense is ascent is probably the the biggest takeaway here that even as they work through this stuff on offense and their numbers are still pretty good as you said this is a different defense than last year like they have they have improved and I think even even without Von Miller um I mean we'll see I'm not going to rush to conclusions because no they I agree might, with they you might really miss Von Miller they really I was gonna agree. I was gonna say let's let that play out a little bit yeah let, let your, that play out point. But to your point, though, Russo, Epinesa, yes. some of the Ed Oliver, like they, they've got some juice on the D line that they've been waiting on to, to kind of cross that threshold and and get some pressure, and they're doing it. I mean, Russo was was great against the Jets. He has he seven did. sacks this year. Um, he consi- so. that's that's a sign of a consistent. That's good for Russo. You know, you, you can count on him a little bit when you have those numbers. You know, it's not like one big game or. He, he's been showing up consistently. They have to be happy with that. And also they've played Jacoby Brissett, Jared Goff, who's actually having a great year. I'd love to talk about Jared Goff. Uh, Mac Jones and Mike, and Mike White. So, right, like not exactly Burrow, agreed, Mahomes, agreed, Herbert, agreed. Lamar. Let's see how the D-line does agreed. against these guys. But I think they're, they're, they're getting their wins. Matt Milano is a star. He was unbelievable. From a certain that draft, 17 class. draft that will always be able to, Tyler, that draft will always be 
the craziest is it was it good was it the right thing wrong whatever we've debated it bottom line zay jones um tanner vallejo still playing i saw that yeah the whaling and i were together for the xfl and you know we were doing stuff for getting ready for training camp and we were, you know, we just saw, we were watching, oh, it was the Monday night game, I think. And yeah. I was like, hey, Vallejo's still, I was like, that draft, Peterman's still bouncing around. <laughs> but anyway, point is. And Zay that Jones, first round pick is what would help them acquire Josh Allen. I bet you a team like the Giants or, you know, one of these other teams with new regimes would would love to have an extra first in their back pocket. Well, an extra first. A draft. Who wouldn't take an extra first? And then you get Trey White, Deion Dawkins, Matt Milano. And and we'll throw Zay Jones in there because he's a good starting wideout. That was that was a good that was and then Vallejo. We that was that was a good draft. Absolutely, um, good draft. But we okay. talked about that. But anyway, let's um, Milano. But yeah, that that hit on Mike White is about as good of a hit, clean of a hit. That was right. That was hit. everything you've ever. That's exactly that's how the the league wants it. The league wishes it could be like that every play. I don't know. It still looked to me like. It was almost like those old stories you hear about Rob Gronkowski, whether it's here in Buffalo or down in Pittsburgh, where he would just like, he's just a man child and there's yeah. guys on his back and he's just throwing people, you know, taking them by the, by the jersey and just chucking them like yesterday's garbage, totally legal plays. And the refs would look at Gronk's coaches like, I, I got to throw a flag. And, and and it's like, for what? For what? For what? Yeah. This is clean. I mean, that was that Milano hit. Like it. And they probably like they, would have loved to have thrown a flag, but they can't. That's, that's, that's textbook. That was textbook. Miami. But, yeah, so I was going to say I want to get in with Tua. Yeah. So what um I read a little bit what you were talking about with Kurt Warner. Um I agree with what he's saying as far as I'm wondering, here's where here's my take on Tua. See what I think what we've seen is maybe where he maybe his what his ceiling could be. Like, could it be a to give a comparison, is he a Kirk Cousins? Is he a Dak Prescott type ceiling where he's a good quarter, really good quarterback, you know, but going to need everything else kind of in place to get that team over. Can he get the team over the top or does he need everything else kind of in place? You know, is he going to have a roller coaster where he is going to have some rough games? And I would think right now from what I've seen with Tua, that's pretty he has we, – we give him the king of accuracy. He's taken that title from Drew Brees somehow. Brees earned that title too. You know, Brees earned that in playoff games, Super Bowls. I think this is where Tua needs to – okay, we've seen the flash. Now let's see the consistency. Let's see what happens when you are struggling in a first half. How do you come back in the second half? That's where you see the great ones kind of – everybody's going to have a bad game or a bad half. Usually they don't put those together. So for Tua – He's put a couple now that are a little shaky together. So I think that's where the concern is. Come out of that rut now. I don't know if Saturday night's going to be the night to do it, though. That Buffalo, <laughs> the Buffalo de- defense at a night game with this. But that would be my concern with Tua right now is, are they good enough to run the ball or to take pressure off of him? Kind of like when we talked about him with Josh Allen struggling. Can the Bills help him a little bit? The Bills definitely can on defense. Some other guys. I don't know if Miami's built like that yet to help Tua if he's struggling. Well said. And Kurt Warner, in so many words, kind of got to the same point. Uh, 
we've got the, the, the feature at golongtd.com. It's for our paid subscribers. So um, if you're on the free list or just listen to the pod, a good opportunity to subscribe. Uh, eight a month, 50 a year. You go annual. We'll send you some blood and guts signed copy. Gotta gotta work that marketing in, Jim. I, Tyler, I'm trying, man. I, every you, you, you've earned that. You've earned you that. have to. Um, all right. So, yeah. Uh, what do you think, point, Tyler? Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Because you talked to Kurt. So, well, you know, I'm not going to apply my my Section Six Class D quarterback I, into Tua's current predicament. Uh, I'll, I'll rely on the the two time MVP, three time Super Bowl participant. In 99 Super Bowl champion Kurt Warner, because, you know, they've got a similar superpower. And this is Kurt's words. Like what, what Kurt Warner did so well was anticipate, throw with accuracy. What Tua does so well is anticipate, throw with accuracy. Now, the difference between the two and the reason that Kurt kind of stopped me in my tracks when I uh, asked him, okay, is he trending toward you? And he's like, full answers that go along, but he's like, whoa, 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 like I did some things that I don't think many quarterbacks have done. Um, and the reason is he saw the big picture. Like he, he saw the forest for the trees. Like he, he could see, okay, they're playing us like this. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to work from one to two to three. And then if I really do have to fit it in that tight window, thread that needle, I can't. So his question with Tua is, okay, when, when you've got your first read and you know you're going to Tyreek and you're going to have to throw it into a spot and you know exactly where you have to go, the ball's out like we talked about. He's spitting it out. It's in a, it's in a space. And these fast receivers, Waddle, Hill, are taking it. And then it's like we said, it's just handed the baton to a four-by-one Trex burner and off they go. But it's that, okay, that's that's covered. Or, all right, like the Chargers, they were jamming them up. I think Kurt Warner had flashbacks to the Super Bowl loss to the Patriots where Bill Belichick had his DBs mugging their their receivers, mugging Marshall Falk out of the backfield. It just it completely disrupted their timing. And yeah, they had a lot of yards, but like we say, yards don't really matter. They had a touchdown to the fourth quarter of that game. Warner threw a pick six. They lost. And they had no business losing with the talent they had on that offense. So I think that that's the blueprint that the Chargers laid out. It's okay. We're going to hit. We're going to just bump them. They're not, you know. It's not Jack Tatum or uh, Mel Blunt. It's not. It's not Mel Blunt at the line of scrimmage, just you know, maiming. But it's just a. They're getting them off the routes just enough. Just enough. Or throws the timing off, and Tua goes ten of twenty-eight. So he's got to work off that first go-to receiver, get to somebody else. Or if you do want to still get it to one of your primary guys, it's going to have to be a tighter fit of a throw. And now you're in a foot of snow, and now you're against this bloodthirsty Bills defense. It's a tall task. If, if he passes it, I mean, if Tua goes out there, throws for 300, two, three touchdowns, given all of this, it's going to shut a lot of people up. Um, well, but right now, those skeptics, they they have reemerged from the forest. All of all of the Tua doubters are back in full force right now. Too bad, too, yeah. And he, that's the thing, always too much credit, too much criticism for the quarterback. But I guess for me is the Chargers defense, is not good. So for the for Miami to, to for the blueprint to be a defense that isn't good and was banged up that and I know Hill wasn't a hundred percent either Tyree Hill. So it's like I would be more concerned about Miami right now. Their offense that would be Buffalo because that that Chargers defense hasn't slowed down anybody. 
So that would be at least the Jets defense is real. The silver lining for Tua, I think, and if this is too uh, too much of a spin, call me out, please, Jim. But I I, I do buy this. I like, like Tua. <laughs> I, I, don't. I like Tua. I like Tua. I like him. Uh, but but Josh Allen, like early in his career, like when if and even still, you know, there's moments he does this today when things break down. He over relies on on his legs or his big arm, and he's not he's not seeing the game. Like a few episodes ago, that the, the, the Jets lost, where you're like, I don't know what he's seeing out there. He's just not seeing it. Um, that's what Kurt Warner's talking about. So when that when it gets muddied up like that, he just kind of he just takes off. Mahomes, same thing. I know we 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 same worship thing. Mahomes on this show, and that little flip touchdown to Jerk McKinnon. Mm-hmm. Warner made a great point. He's like, everybody's drooling all over this play. It, Look at the play. On the on the other side of the field, he's got I think it was like a post corner wide open, and he never just doesn't even see it. it. Never looked at. We're it. in it. We're enamored with this ridiculous play by Mahomes, like we always are. But he's not seeing the field. You know anybody else? That's a sack. Uh, and how? I mean, how how long can that work? That's he said. That's why they got blown out in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. Like he 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 wasn't seeing it. And yeah, we're enamored by him running around for four hundred ninety seven yards. And yeah, the offensive line was was not good. But that stuff kind of catches up with you. Uh, he loves Jalen Hurts. He thinks Jalen Hurts is playing better than any quarterback in the league that he is I seeing the game. Joe Burrow's, you know, maybe not too far behind. And I think that, oh, yeah, so the silver lining with Tua, he's not going to just use a singular physical trait as a crutch. Like, for him to work through this, he's going to have to use his mind. He's going to have to use his brain. He's going to have to go one to two to three to four and, and process. He's going to have to find that processing. Um, and he's, he's got some of it. I mean, maybe Kurt was a little extreme with him just sticking on that one guy. He's, he's shown some of that, but he's, he's going to have to if he's going to last forever because he doesn't have that crutch to fall back on, which can be a good thing. Like it's going to force him to learn and work through this. So I don't know if he, I don't know if he solves it Saturday night against the Bills. Uh, but a long term, I I wouldn't panic. I, I think that two is a good quarterback. I, I that's agree. trending toward great. Still, I agree with you. I think he's okay too. I'm, I'm. I just. I think the expectations have to be realistic with Tua. If you're looking for him to be Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Herbert, even you know the guys even from his draft class, he's not physically. He's not. There aren't many people like Herbert in the world. You know, so that's not a fair comparison to. He right. doesn't have that. So when to a, when things do break down and he is under pressure and he is trying to, if that first read isn't there, he doesn't have that overall size and arm strength that he can just torque and make awkward throws under pressure and all these crazy throws we see from Josh Allen. And that's not going to be to it. To his game is more the Drew Brees, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott's where it's timing, it's pocket maneuver in the pocket, then find the next open player and deliver the ball. So Which is I, how you have to win and three, four playoff games in a row. You need no to win from the pocket. You do. That's you why every hundred percent agree, and that's why they just need to let Tua keep fighting through this. Like he's okay. You saw the good. You saw what he can do. It's there. Yeah, I. They it, the schedule. I believe it kind of it softens a bit after this. So I, I think they'll get into the playoffs either way. Yes, I agree um, with you. They're going to get in. Yeah. So when when we look at the AFC playoffs, uh, how does it stack up in your mind? Like who's in who's in good shape? Who's in rough shape? I'm saying 
it's it's Bengals, Chiefs, Bills, everybody else at this point. Catch up if you can. Even Baltimore. I thought Baltimore was – they're just too – I don't trust their defense. Lamar's in and out of the lineup. I don't like that. Um, so I think it's those three right now. I just – and that's not anything – that's not why you're tuning in to go long to hear that the Bengals, Bills, and Chiefs are doing well. The team that we that we need to start really – the 49ers and the Eagles on the other side, because I feel like the AFC is going to – I feel like those three are just – I don't know who's messing with those three. Um, but that NFC, that 49ers and Eagles and Dallas, Dallas has played well enough to enter. That defense has played well enough to, you know, I know right, you're let, – let But, yeah, the sorry. This but way. Stick so with those, the are the, those are the heavyweights. No, AFC yep. and NFC. If the yep. heavyweights are – Cincy, Buffalo. Yeah, the heavyweights are good. Right. Philly. Yep. Uh, and um, San, San Francisco. Fran. There's five heavyweights. Yeah, five heavyweights. Okay. Who, outside of those five, Yep. is there a team that you think could scare the hell out of those five in the playoffs and go on a run? Yeah. AFC-wise, I actually do think it's the Jets. What? The Jets. It's only When I say scare, it's because – there's the defense. There's the defense that can hit your – what's the kryptonite to every quarterback? Pass rush. If the Jets are getting after you, that's where that's where Mahomes, Josh Allen, Burrow, that's where you, they're going to be like, okay, this is real. If we can't protect him, that's how we're going to fight. If you can't get to those guys, you're, they're going to keep scoring in the playoffs. I just – that's how I feel. So, to me like that, the Jets I'm paying attention to. In the NFC – Philly and San Fran to me seem so rock solid, but I'd have to throw Dallas in the mix only because I think they can get after the quarterback. And I think their defense has shown some pretty good play this year. So I think Dallas deserves to be in that mix of a team that could knock on the door that maybe, maybe you, maybe you think Dallas is one of those teams. I'm kind of, I don't know if they're being talked about in that high of a, I'm just you know, but, trying to figure out how much of grandpa's old cough medicine you have in your coffee on that jet. And I'm just, I like so, it. I like I'm it. Trying to think I like it. Go out that, on a limb. I like yeah, it. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think of somebody that we had. Like there's always that team that, that the Jacksonville team, uh, the Doug Marone Jacksonville Jaguars. When you have a defense that's yeah. nasty, anything's possible. Anything. That's a really good comparison. I like that because they were, well, they were 10 and six. They got in. Nobody thought they'd beat Pittsburgh. Blake Bortles is why Nathaniel Hackett's a head coach right now. He's still living off their defense winning games with Blake Bortles. I mean, you, yeah. you, you're going to get, so if you win games with Mike White, like you're, you're getting a job. You know, I'm, I'm not ready to bail on, on my Vikings. You know, I was on them early. I, no. I think that there's still, they lost to the Lions. Their defense is shambles, maybe strong, but their defense is not good. They've been, they're going to have to rely on turnovers and Zadarius Smith and a pass rush. Uh, and they're going to, I felt better about their defense 100% with you on them. If their defense was, that's kind of why I'm giving Dallas a little bit of a, because of Micah Park, that, that defense, they do get after you pretty good, Dallas. You know what though? They still are prone to these like letdown games. The, te- the Texans Tyler, should have beat them. They needed a, a full length of the field drive to win it in the that last game. Minute. So we could talk about that one. That fit everything. We talk about it just get at that point, somehow get that win and get out. But I don't know how Houston competes with Dallas. That's the NFL sometimes. 
that's where I say get that win and get out because it's not going the way you thought. Yeah. And you still got that win. But you're right. I was just trying to think of a team that could Philly and San Fran. Detroit. If I could feel good about their defense, basically I was going to, that's what I was going to bring up to you. When you brought up Minnesota, if I felt better about Detroit's defense and I still don't, and we'll talk about that because let's see how their defense does this week against the Jets. Um, That'll be a sign to see where Detroit's defense is kind of at. Um, Maybe their offense, they're scoring right now. That that receiving core for Detroit, if they can protect golf, as you know, you've been a golf guy from the start. When he's protected, he can deliver. I would make an argument when when things are right. Now that guy is as accurate as any quarterback when things are right. And that's why they built with the offensive line. They started up front, and it's weird. It's different. It's not chasing the transcendent. You know, Lincoln Riley, quarterback created in a lab, you know, getting a first overall pick. And no, like Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, they went Panay Sewell. They, they, they lean into the line. They run the ball. Oh. They, they, they take Jared. Hey, Jared Goff's, you know, albatross of a contract. We'll take that on. We'll take those two first round picks and a third. And, and Goff has been great. He's been a Pro Bowl quarterback. No question. Yeah. Uh, and, and- Hey, let's go one more step to to give Brad Holmes a little credit as well. If their philosophy was to build and, and they took Sewell in the first round, let's let's get the offensive line. Would they do the second draft for Brad Holmes? They took Hutchinson. And what a different – he's a difference maker right now. Now, I, we're talking about their defense not being good, but at least you have that. You have a monster pass rusher. <clears throat> I think you made this point when we were uh, texting during the games, but look at those receivers they have now too. That's that to me is where people are. I'm, that's why I said you. Yeah, like, I love the way they put that that receiving core together. They have that mix of size, speed, route running. That Josh Reynolds is your you know your your bigger wild that catches everything. I just like the mix that they did. Brad Holmes yeah, is done. Ross St. Brown, James oh, Williams. Now you unleash, you know who may be. The best He's receiver a in a this receiver is, draft. There you yeah. go. So once again, to your point, so if they get in, like we all hope they do. Um, <laughs> by the way, those odds went way down, by the way. Those odds for Detroit to make the playoffs. So yeah. you, you got in at the right time. I got in at the right time. But point being is nobody's going to want to play them. Like that's the team you don't want to play if they sneak in because you know they could, they're good for thir- they could be good for 30 that day. It was early in the season, but they easily could have beat Philadelphia. I mean, they're not going to be scared of Philadelphia with the way they no, play. I mean, they, they, no. can, they can match Philadelphia's Dan, violence. Tyler, a Dan Campbell team will never be scared of anybody. Just just remember that. They will never be scared of it. All right, let's get to our uh, ridiculous non-football-related questions. We let's missed it. it when I put it out there last time on uh, – the old tweet machine, but we've, we've got a handful here. It's early in the morning too. So it's great that people are, we're up at six, six AM when I fired this out there. Okay. If fatty beer, if fatty beer was open right now, we, there's a chance we would sneak in there. We should. Let's just get a key. Okay. Here we go. Claire Cooper, a fantastic Patriots podcast across the pond. I've been, I've been on her show. It's great. She asks, 
If your favorite NFL team were a dessert, what would they be? I'm going to let you handle that one. Do you have a favorite dessert? Hmm. I, I, I tend to, here's where I am with dessert. I tend to kind of trend to where I'm at. So if I'm down in Florida on a nice vacation, it's, I'm a, I'm a key lime pie in Florida, a homemade key lime, but it's gotta be homemade in the summer. It has to be the right setting. I'm a kind of when in Rome guy, you know, I need to, I like it. Yeah. I got one for you. My grandmother, uh, she sadly passed away when we were, gosh, I was in 10th grade. It was a long time ago. Um, but she was super Italian, unbelievable cook. Um, Nani. Nani would make blueberry galop. And it was like, just like it sounds. Just blueberries and the batter and the sugar and sugar, just, yeah. just a ton of galop. So um, it is unbelievable. And now I want it right now at 728 a.m. That's a good call. Blueberry glove. Brian Moritz, our good buddy, Brian. Great dude. Uh, worked with him at the Olean Times Herald. A mentor. Uh, was my adjunct professor at Syracuse. And now he is uh, teaching sports journalism at Bonas. Good buddy of mine. Love Brian. And I, I, I mainly love Brian because we have a shared affinity for the Muppet Christmas Carol as the preeminent Christmas movie this time of year. That's it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, I mean, just a bunch call. of Muppets, you know, carrying call. out Charles Dickens' uh, classic story and Michael Caine as Scrooge. It's, it's fantastic. Good. So uh, I'm not surprised by this question. He asks, who is the best character in the Muppet Christmas Carol? You got to answer. That's your, that's your thing. I'm going to go with the ghost of Christmas present. Um, Ella, she, she, we watch this movie pretty much every day and we read the book at night and she loves him because everything, it, it, it's dark and it's sad early on. And then he just brings the joy. She calls him the big guy because he's the big, he's the big spirit who's just gregarious and full of love and, and shows Scrooge what Christmas is all about. So I think it's an easy decision there. You, have you, have you seen the Muppet Christmas Carol? No, that's why I said you have to answer that one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to. You have to. Oh, Walter would love it. Oh That's my god! I, said, I think it's time to get him into that one. Do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Yeah, mine are different. I got the sappy one was a Nicolas Cage. Uh, it was like a family. Uh, I, I know I'm terrible with the names of the movie, but it was Nicolas Cage. But basically, it was basically showing his life was basically showing the value of. One wrong, one decision you make in your past can lead you to his, he was living this single guy life, you know, traveling all over the place. But was the he family man? Yes. There you go. Okay. I've never seen this. It's sappy. Hey, you know what? No shame this time of year. I watched the holiday and guess what? It, it, it's the, it's we'll the, watch it, it makes, all the way through. Solid it, shows movie. What, it shows family being more important than your fast lane career lifestyle. You know what else had that message? And I remember watching it in college and it, man, it can, it can like strike a nerve and really get the emotions going, but click with Adam Sandler. Oh, good call. That's, a, that's a good movie. It gets the feels going, man. Good call. I like that movie. 
I'll, I'll still, I won't use his name because he probably wouldn't want me to, but I, when I uh, covered the Packers at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, I remember uh, during a training camp practice talking to another beat writer and we were, I, for whatever reason, click came up and, and people probably remember the premise, right? Like he's got a remote and you can like fast forward through life. Fast and forward, next yeah. thing he knows, like he's fast forwarding through all the milestones and all of his, yeah. the, the, all everything he'd do with his wife, his kids, and you yeah. know, he gets everything he wants in career, but he just pissed away what life is really about. And this other beat writer uh, on the Packers, he told me that he had like an emotional like response to the movie. Like he watched it and it was like a beyond anxiety. Like it just, he, he needed help. It was, it, it was really hard to like deal with the emotions he had watching that movie. And yeah. I, I kind of get it. No, um, you, you, there are certain movies that if you are in that life, like, yeah, you can relate like that. Your good pal, our good pal, Dan Murphy. Always love when we hear from Always. Dan. Every time I see Dan's name, I'm like, shit, we got to get a happy hour going. And I promise everybody that that's been wanting these happy hours. I do have a big announcement coming soon. Um, we're going to introduce like a VIP option at go along, which will incorporate happy hours. So Dan and everybody who enjoys those stay tuned. All right, Dan at Dan Murphy, five eighteen. would, oh, this is a really good one. This is right up your alley. Would you rather only eat at chain restaurants or only bet the under the rest of your life? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is a modus special. I'm definitely going to eat at chain restaurants every meal other than bet the, I couldn't, there, there's no way I could deal with life. Really? You couldn't. I'm good. I can find plenty of, there's some good chains out there. There's no way you can't live. If you had to bet the under every time, that's a hard way to live. I wouldn't know. Uh, do, are there people who enjoy betting the under? No, because Yes. Here's the thing. When you bet the under, you're always winning for about three and a half quarters. You're feeling really good about yourself. First half, no matter what happens in that first half, you're like, okay, it's okay. You could see it coming. You can see the over coming. But you, you still talk yourself into it's okay. We have the second half. It'll, it'll calm down. Third quarter, it's looking bad. But, hey, we still have that fourth quarter. And then it goes over. Hey. It's just a painful way. It's it's like it's coming, it's coming, it's coming over, and then it's done. I, yeah, I, no, it sounds like a slow torture, that. torturous death. If, I've, I've been to plenty of good chain restaurants. There's nothing good about betting that under. All right, but okay, what if the chain restaurants are right? Because that, that that can encompass a lot. That's a pretty broad umbrella. Yeah, capital what if the grill, chain restaurants are, No, no, no. Here, here. I'm going to give them to you. McDonald's, Burger yeah. King. Wendy's, and I will throw Subway in there. That's it. You got to eat th- those four the rest of your life or bet only the under the rest of your life. Then I'm betting the under the rest of my life. Okay. So what Fair. what what chain restaurants need to be included in there to, to make this happen for you? Outback, Carabas, like that, like we'll take it up that to that one, then, okay. I'm, then I'm okay. I'm thinking chain fast foods. Yeah, I, you know what? I'm with you. I could I could absolutely eat at Outback. Outback has a good they good I like their I like those. It yeah. actually sounds like a pretty good life. Man, we should have Dan should have given us like five or six. Well, I think what you did was you made that that's when you say chain, that's where I took it. To that mm-hmm. type of chain. 
I took it to you're driving down the I-90 and just seeing yeah. what's on the rest stop yeah. signs. <laughs> Which, man, if I mean, New York State is pretty brutal in a lot of different ways. But can we just get more at these rest stops somehow, some way? I, I, I don't know. Like on the interstate, the more we travel, it's like, man, I, I don't want to eat at yeah. McDonald's, right? Don't want to have crappy Tim Hortons coffee. Like let's let's expand our horizons here. All right, last one. Okay. You, this is a good one because I think his name has come up a handful of times and you are familiar with this ex-saint. And I'm not familiar with his uh, Twitter happening, so sorry, Mark. But uh, Mark David at F Right Comeback, another loyal listener of the show. Thank you, Mark, for all of your patronage. Question for Monus. What was your experience with former Saint Junior Galette? Was he always an unhinged, always as unhinged as he seems to be based on his Twitter account? Which I haven't seen. But I know you've got some Junior Galette stories. I mean, we can make this a quick one and I could just answer yes and we can keep it moving. Or we can, I can also tell you, he will forever go down as one of my all time favorite guys I've ever scouted, been around. I, I'm so happy that it worked out, but I'm not going to lie. You're holding your breath with Junior. You just never knew. You just never knew what you're going to get. But I can tell you this. He loved football, and we were happy he was on our team. I mean, to get that production, to have his career go where it went. I know what he went through in college. I was at Stillman College watching his tape in a locker room. Like, you would watch tape in their locker room at Stillman College. That's what people don't realize about some of these schools. Like, they don't have a film room for the scouts when you come into Stillman. You know, the, the film room, hey, we'll set you up in the locker room. Players are coming in around 2.30 after class to get ready for – when the players come in to start getting ready for practice, you have to leave. Fair enough. But I can tell you this, Junior Gallette, the day I was at Stillman, you know, I was there to see him, and I was waiting to see him at practice, and he wasn't there yet. And the coach was like, he'll be here. And practice started, and I was still in the locker room watching. I went back in after all the players came out. Junior still hadn't showed up. So I'm just – I was in there in the locker room by myself watching tape. And sure enough, he comes in about 10 minutes after practice started. I was like, Hey, you're, you know, sit, you know, I was like, Hey, I'll, I want to talk to you after practice. And he's like, okay. He got ready. I was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you late? You know, he was just like, oh, I had class. He didn't have class. He was, he, he was lying to an NFL scout. He was in no hurry to get to practice at Stillman. But that being said, you could never turn on – once he was out of practice, it was full go. Like, he loves football. But there were some other things that – there was a reason he was at Stillman. We won't get into all that, but um, there's a reason he was undrafted, and we won't get into all that. But never a dull moment with Junior. Well, he learned real quick. On Twitter to get into that. Hopefully he'll he like real discuss quick. sometime. Yeah. He learned real quick in New Orleans that uh, you do not touch the quarterback. That's right. I remember that story on here. Yes. He, he so. hit Drew Brees and what? Greg Williams has jumped over. It was over. actually, I messed that story up a little bit. He actually hit Chase Daniel was the backup oh, that's quarterback. Right. I'm, and Greg Williams told him, if that was Drew Brees, you would be cut tomorrow. <laughs> Tell Greg, I know he's uh, with you in the XFL. Welcome anytime. 
would love to get him on this pod. It was a joy to talk to him for the blood and guts. I don't even know where that pod, where that would, we'll bring Junior Galette up. If we do get Greg Williams on the pod, we have to bring that name up. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Everybody, thank you so much for watching, for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Again, uh, to get everything at golongtd.com, subscribe. 50-year, get a signed copy of The Blood and Guts. Also, I'm going to be posting it um, shortly after we finish up here, Jim. Bob McGinn is starting The McGinn Files, his features, their long-form profiles on players, coaches that uh, – They've been drafted, I think, since the 80s. So he's got, like, all kinds of files from scouts and personnel. But it's also a lot of fresh reporting, too. So he, he talked to Bill Parcells and um, some players and some other coaches for this this first one on the one and only Dan Campbell. Yes. Dan Campbell is kicking us off. And I'll just say this. There's a story. There's many stories packed in here that if you're a Lions fan or otherwise, you'll love, you'll love Bob's story on Dan Campbell. Uh, but when he was an interim coach with the Dolphins, he had Jarvis Landry come up in front of the whole team, and he told Jarvis Landry to slap him in the face. He wanted Jarvis just to smack him right across the face, and Jarvis was confused and didn't he didn't do it. And but Dan explained to everybody. I'm paraphrasing. Everybody's gonna read the story. I think it was like late to a meeting or something, and he said, "I want I want you to know what that feels like to me. It's a slap. It's a slap in the face. <laughs> One of a kind. Love it." And, hey, if Detroit gets into the playoffs, they just may be Super Bowl bound. I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. Sounds good to me. Thanks so much for for listening, everybody. We, we really appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time.